Well, I will make the preamble short. These mini-episodes are not in-depth. They're not overly researched. They're just a chance for me to casually, spontaneously, in the moment, talk about my thoughts and feelings about a particular film. And with Mulholland Drive, I have no desire to do an in-depth episode about this film, but there was a component of it that's been gnawing at me and that I've been thinking about and that feels relevant to my life right now, and I wanted to talk a bit about it. If you're a new listener, you just happen to stumble upon this episode. I'm Caitlin. I'm the host of this podcast. I've done it for quite a few years. I usually do longer episodes that are about an hour or more, usually longer. But lately, my life has become really difficult where I'm a caregiver for my mom. I'm taking care of her. And I've really had to pause this podcast in a lot of ways, or I've had to shift to a different way of doing it because my life is just really stressful and I don't have a lot of time to put into more polished, researched, well thought out episodes. I'm trying to do these mini episodes where I just talk about my thoughts and feelings about a film for a little bit. This is not an in-depth episode about Mulholland Drive or David Lynch or anything like that. This is not for David Lynch stands. or fangirls or fanboys. That's not what this is. This is me talking about an aspect of Mulholland Drive that I find very haunting and powerful, and that's all it is. I haven't done a ton of research about Mulholland Drive. I'm not going to decode Mulholland Drive. None of that's going to happen in this episode, so stop listening now (laughs) if that is what you want, because it's just not going to happen. This is my personal feelings about a certain aspect of the film. It's me talking in this moment about something that I find haunting and powerful about it. I've seen a few David Lynch films. I am not a crazy fan of him. I don't know a ton about him. I respect him. I think he's interesting. I've seen Mulholland, obviously, Inland Empire, and Lost Highway. Inland Empire is my favorite David Lynch film. That is the film that haunts me in the deepest way. Mulholland Drive, doesn't reach that for me. I appreciate Mulholland Drive. I did not emotionally connect to it in the same way that I think a lot of people have, but there are things about it that I do find very powerful. And something that keeps coming back to me is Diane at the end of the film. And I'll just say like, Obviously, there's going to be spoilers here. I'm going to talk about the film, but I'm not going into every aspect of it. And I'm assuming that anybody listening right now has seen this film and loves this film. And I love it as well. I think it's a really wonderful, great film that David Lynch created. It's often voted the best film of the 21st century so far. I can't argue with it. I understand why it's so powerful for people why it takes them over. I think David Lynch's cinema is the perfect example of the emotional potency of this art form of film. It's why I go back to it over and over again. It's why I go back to film at all, why I watch films. He manages to tap into our dreams, our desires, even our traumas that he puts on the screen. He's a very powerful director in that way. He often shows women's pain 
There's a lot of crying, weeping women in David Lynch's cinema, and that always appeals to me. I'm always drawn to women who are crying, who are breaking down, who are in pain because of my own experiences, and that I've been through trauma, and I've lost a lot in my life, and been through a lot in my life. I am drawn to films like that that explore it. I'm always drawn to women who are breaking down in some way, and going through a psychological disintegration. I feel like I've been going through that the past few years myself and so I'm always drawn to films like that and those are the women who speak to me the most and who speak to me in the deepest part of me. There's a lot of crying in Mulholland Drive. The Gerondo scene is very emotionally powerful for me. That's a scene that I saw when I was very young. I had not even watched Mulholland in full from beginning to end. I was probably a teenager and I saw the Gerondo scene and just felt incredibly emotionally overwhelmed by it. And it wasn't until 2021 that I finally watched Mulholland and drive from beginning to end. And I did not fully understand it. I didn't know what I had watched, but I was quite mesmerized by it and pulled in by it. And I love the way that David Lynch talks about the film and the way he talks about his films in general. And his approach is to say that the film is the thing. And this is what I've always said. Even though I have this podcast, even though I share my thoughts and feelings, I always encourage people to have their own experience with the film, and there is no substitute for the experience of the film. I get frustrated with people who want to decode everything. They want to understand everything. I think it's very powerful and beautiful to live in the mystery of a work of art, to let yourself get immersed in the mysterious. It can almost be spiritual in a way, to allow that door to the mysterious to open and then to walk through it and to live inside of it and to say, I don't understand everything about this, but it moves me emotionally. I think a film like The Tree of Life is a good example of that. And that's one of my all-time favorite films. It's usually number two for me after The Passion of Joan of Arc. And that's something that David Lynch has about his cinema, I think, particularly with Mulholland and Inland Empire, where you're living in the mystery of the work of art. And I think because he works with dream logic and the unconscious in his work as well, I think that makes it even more powerful. And so there is a mysterious power about Mulholland Drive and what it taps into for people. I love living in mystery. I think that that is my favorite place to be. That is my favorite place to exist is in mystery and particularly the mystery that is created by other people through art through films, through poetry, through literature, through music. I love just being immersed in the, in the unsayable, in the numinous. I just love reveling in the numinous. And I love when I watch something like The Tree of Life or Mirror by Andrei Tarkovsky or Mulholland Drive or Inland Empire. I love when I watch films like that and I'm just sinking down into something deeply, profoundly mysterious. And it makes me grateful to be alive when I have those experiences. I feel more deeply connected to life. I feel more deeply connected to myself. And that is what helps me survive. That's what helps me get through the trauma. I mean, that's the thing. Some people don't want to watch films about sadness or about melancholy or about depression or pain or psychological disintegration or trauma. They don't want to go there. But for me, 
I find comfort in seeing my demons or my struggles or my emotional woundedness being put on the screen. I find a deep comfort about that. I feel really grateful for the artists who are able to do that. And I think David Lynch with his women, the women in his films, I see myself a lot in those women at times. And I did see myself in Diane. I saw myself in her and it was kind of scary because Diane played by Naomi Watts. This is what I wanted to talk about. This is why I'm doing this episode because um, the last couple of years have just been really painful for me and dealing with my mom's health issues and her declining health and having to take care of her, going through the pandemic, developing very intense feelings for somebody who did not reciprocate that and becoming overwhelmed by those feelings and that obsession with another person and desperately wanting another person to like me, care about me, be interested in me, and the heartbreak of that not happening and where that sent me emotionally and the depths that I went to and the darkness that I went to and the anger and the hatred and the bitterness and the resentment and all these ugly, ugly things, the pain of rejection, everything that was triggered inside of me by that experience of meeting somebody like that and being profoundly hurt by them. It's been difficult for me to recover from it. So I've felt in the past almost two years just a disintegration. I feel shattered. I feel broken by a lot of things that have happened. It's been really, really brutal. My mental health struggles and just my everyday reality and my life just being in so much pain every day that I wake up suffering so much, but also trying to fight against it, you know, and to overcome it or to do better to cope with some of these things and really trying to listen to the pain, trying to listen to what's happening inside of you. Why are you reacting to a person in a particular way? Why does it send you out of control? Why does this obsession form? You know, why do you feel unstable? Why do you feel like you're coming apart? Why do you feel like you're breaking down? What's going on in your life? Sometimes you have to listen to these ruptures. You have to listen to things inside of you and figure out why am I coming apart that I can't bear anymore? And how do I change? How do I take action to change these things, to find the love that I'm looking for? You can't get it from one source. You have to find it from another. So yeah, I've been trying to listen to this breakdown that I often feel like I've been in for a while now and make changes and all of that. But it doesn't change the fundamental brokenness that I feel and the shatteredness that I feel. So Diane, by the end of this film, that is what haunts me the most about Mulholland. Holland Drive. So I do believe that much of the film is Diane's dream and her imagining her life before when she was first starting out in Hollywood and she's sort of going back to the beginning when things were good. She's dreaming of these things. That's when she's Betty and she meets Rita and they have their love story. They're in love with each other. I really see it as her dreaming about better days and better times in her life. And I do think that Diane has had Camilla murdered. And that in the end, 
she feels so guilty about that, that she ends up committing suicide. That's sort of the clear interpretation for me. But, you know, I've only seen the film once. I don't have big theories. I don't have, like, the key to this film. I think you're supposed to just understand it in an intuitive way. And I think it's supposed to work on a mysterious, unconscious level. And I think that's okay. I think if you haven't seen Meshes of the Afternoon by Maya Darren, I think it would be the perfect thing to pair with the I recently rewatched Meshes and I saw so many parallels between the two films. I actually shared about it on social media. I found like different visual parallels and I thought it was a fascinating, fascinating connections between the two films. So my grand theory is the one that I think a lot of people have. A lot of it's a dream. She had Camilla murdered. She feels guilty about it. She ends up killing herself. But I think what's powerful is at the end of the film, what Diane has become. Her dreams have really been taken away. She's not having the career that she wants to have. So her dreams are dead in a lot of ways. And this woman that she was in love with, and I'd say obsessed with. I think she's obsessed with Camilla. She's addicted to her in a lot of ways. And she's heartbroken by losing her, by being rejected by her, betrayed, and all of that. I think it deeply wounds her and she feels out of control and she doesn't know how to deal with this person leaving her and not wanting her. Her heartbreak is very palpable at the end of the film and so is her anger. She wants vengeance against Camilla. I think she wants to destroy Camilla. She wants to destroy this person who has destroyed her. And so for me, Diane at the end of the film is a destroyed woman. She is a broken woman and she's been broken by Hollywood and she's been broken by heartbreak by losing the the person that she loved and she's not able to bear it. Or cope with it. I think about Diane a lot in her apartment at the end where she's like in this raggedy robe and her hair looks unclean. She just looks like a shadow of her former self, of the Betty character with the beautiful blonde hair and the joyfulness about her, the excitement, the earnestness, the sincerity of Betty at the beginning of that film. And by the end of it, Diane is just a shell of a person because she's lost so much. And so much has been taken away from her. And she's completely just this shattered woman. And there's a hopelessness about her as well. Even the way she walks, even the way she just stands at her sink, right? Like in her apartment. I don't know why that image stays with me, but it does. And I think a lot of us can see ourselves in Diane, but I also see Diane as a warning, in a lot of ways. Diane cannot cope with her life and she can't change it. She can't get out of the spiral. She can't get out of the woundedness. She can't let go of Camilla. She has to destroy Camilla. What happens when we become consumed by our anger, our fury at somebody who has rejected us and hurt us? What depths can that plunge us to? What are we capable of? I think that's the thing about romantic entanglement or desire. For me, desire can be incredibly destructive. It can be overwhelming and frightening for me. When we desire another person, we can lose control of ourselves. I think it is one of the most primal and mysterious experiences of our lives. We do not always understand why we are drawn to a person, why we are attracted to them, why we want them, even after 
they reject us, they treat us badly, they make us feel horrible, and we still long for that person, for their interest, their desire for us, their attention, their bodies, all of it. Why (laughs) and how do we free ourselves from it? Can we free ourselves from it once we feel this for somebody? I do think that desire works on an unconscious level. (laughs) I don't think we always know why we are sexually, romantically attracted to another person. I don't know if it's always within our control. I think most people would say that it's not. I mean, we still make choices and we're still responsible for our actions, but I think that it can take us to very dark places, particularly if you feel more for another person than they feel for you, you or it's one-sided, it's unrequited, it's unreciprocated. And at the end of the film, that's what has happened to Diane. She has been rejected. She has been left. Camilla does not want her. Camilla is flaunting being with other people in front of her. She does not care what Diane thinks. It's over. All Diane has are her dreams and her fantasies and her memories of what they once were, but they will never be that again. It's over. And I see Diane as someone who can't accept it and who is overwhelmed by her rage at Camilla and at the rejection and at the loss. I think it's a grief as well. And it's a death. It's the death of that love. And I see Diane as someone like her dreams are dead. Her relationship with Camilla is dead. All of these things are dead. She is dying emotionally from it. There's something like withering about her at the end. And she is profoundly broken and wounded and she can't get out of it. I think she is someone who is in the darkness and she cannot rise from it or surface from it. And I think that in her, I see a warning. I always like notice stuff like this. Sometimes I see certain characters in films as warnings to me. For instance, um, I love The Vanishing by George Schlauser from 1988, the original Dutch version. And the character in that Rex, his girlfriend goes missing and he becomes obsessed with trying to find out what happened to her. And he becomes consumed by his grief and by wanting to know what happened. When I watched that film a couple of years ago, I rewatched it for the second time and it just overwhelmed me. And I saw a warning to me that if I could not deal with my grief better, because I've been through a lot of loss in my life. I lost my dad when I was a teenager and it really traumatized me and caused a lot of issues and suffering for me. I realized that if I did not cope better with the grief, that I was going down a really bad path. And it's been 16 years since he died. And I'm still struggling with it. I mean, that's how profoundly just uh, what a rupture it was in my life. And now the past couple of years, you know, with my mom's health not being good, becoming a caregiver, having all this put on me, going through the pandemic, going through this really destabilizing experience of getting obsessed with a person, having feelings for someone who didn't return them to me. All of that together has been a secondary rupture in my life. And I've been trying to put my life back together in the aftermath of it. But I think you can be Diane or you cannot be Diane. That's the thing is Diane is broken and she is trapped and she cannot get out of the prison that she has created for herself. The mental prison, 
the emotional prison. Her house at the end of the film almost feels like that or something. It's sort of dank and dingy. And this is a woman who is deteriorating. You know, this is a a, a kind of decay. She's in a state of decay and rot because she is infested, I think, with this hatred for Camilla. She's she can't see hope. She can't see possibilities for her life. She's just shattered. She is this shattered, broken woman. And I see so much of myself in her. And I think I was like Diane for a really, really long time. Part of me still is. And part of me fights it. I want to survive this. I want to become stronger. I want to put my life back together. I don't want to fall apart. I don't want to have a complete breakdown. I don't want to drown. I don't want to be self-destructive. I want to rise out of these depths. I want to surface from them. But some days I am Diane. Some days it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to like face my life. It's hard to accept that so much has gone wrong for me. I've just been in so much pain for so long and I just feel like I'm losing stuff, you know. I feel like I've lost my youth in a lot of ways. Like, I feel so old. I feel like I've lost my dreams. I don't know what I want from life. I don't know who I want to be. I lost hope for a really long time. I've lost myself. I lost just everything. <laughs> I've just been through a lot and I just feel like all I do is lose. <laughs> all I have are things taken away from me and even when I thought something really beautiful was happening to me and that maybe somebody would care about me or like me or love me, that didn't even happen and it's been really hard to accept that and and it's hard to accept rejection. It's hard to accept the loss of love. You know, I see Diane as someone who she doesn't have love in her life. She is alone. She is broken and she is alone and she is destructive. And that's the thing is that when we are broken, we can lash out and we can want to hurt others and we can try to destroy others. And I see Diane in that way of, she wants to destroy Camilla. And then she does the ultimate act of self-destruction where she destroys herself by killing herself because of what she has done to a woman that she once loved. When we let that evil in, when we let that, that really toxic anger in, and when we choose vengeance and we choose destruction, we are lost you know, we are lost to ourselves. I see Diane as someone just out of control. She is spiraling and she is out of control and she cannot get herself back to a place of stability and wholeness. She's broken and she cannot find her way back to wholeness either. And she goes to the depths of darkness and destruction and violence. And she inflicts violence on this woman who she once loved. Um, she wants to destroy the thing that has destroyed her. But I think she finds that even when she destroys Camilla, that doesn't bring relief and that doesn't bring salvation, does it? When we engage in destruction and violence, it does not comfort us. It does not heal us to do that to somebody else. You know, healing, I think, can only come from within us where we finally face those demons and we, instead of destroying ourselves, we find love and compassion for ourselves. And we, we can go down to the depths of darkness and we can get out of control 
and we can lose ourselves. But I also am a believer that we can find ourselves. We don't have to be Diane. I mean, she's a cautionary tale to me because she is someone who completely annihilates herself. She obliterates herself and it's haunting when she does that. She just is in so much pain and she wants an end to the pain. And I think she thought that killing Camilla would end the pain and it only added more pain. And so she has to obliterate herself to obliterate the pain. Because I think sometimes we are in so much agony that we just want it to end and we don't know how to make it end. And I've been there. I've been in that place that Diane goes. I think that's what's so haunting about her is to remember and to know in the deepest part of myself that I have been her. I have been in that rage. I have been in that self-destruction. I have been in that anguish and that hopelessness. And sometimes I don't know how I found my way out of it. And Diane is a reminder to me that there are people who don't find their way out of it. That's just the truth that some people never come out of that darkness. They go so deep into it that they can't find their way out. And I don't think Diane can find her way out. And I have a lot of sympathy for her. And I feel like I was her for half my life, living in that shatteredness, not knowing how to get out of it. Some days I still don't know how to get out of it, but I see the light at times. I see the light, you know, and I want to go toward the light. I want to go toward love. I want to go toward beauty, art, compassion. That's the beautiful thing about David Lynch's work and cinema in general is that that is the light. I mean, that's what a film is. It's light, light on a wall, right? light on a screen, and we can see these representations of ourselves, of our pain, of our trauma, our suffering. We can see this embodied by an actress like Naomi Watts, and this is her greatest performance. We can see that. We can see our disintegration. We can see the way that desire has led us to be out of control. We can see our obsession. We can see our demons, our darkness, our ugly parts through these characters, and it leads us back to ourselves. You know, this is the emotional power of cinema. This is what it can do, is that I look at Diane and I see myself. I see what I've been. I see what I am. I see a huge part of myself. And I also see a way out, because she is my warning. You have to get yourself out of this darkness. You have to get yourself out of this pain, because it only leads to one place. It only leads to a darker place. You have a choice that you can make. Because Diane made a choice. She made a choice to kill Camilla. She did not have to do that. I know she wanted to kill the thing that had killed something inside of her. Because that's what human beings can do to each other. We destroy each other. We kill parts of each other. We can come into people's lives and we can bring beautiful things. And we can bring love and connection and care. Or we can come into each other's lives and we can turn them upside down. And we can hurt and we can reject and we can um, inflict pain. That's what we can do. And all of us do both because we're complicated and we're messy and we don't mean to hurt people. And sometimes we do and sometimes we do mean to hurt people. Sometimes it is on purpose because we have ugly parts of us that can come out. And sometimes we're not always as in control of ourselves as we'd like to be. And we get angry and we get out of control, right? But it's like we make a choice and Diane made that choice to choose destruction and violence because she felt destroyed and she just wanted to hurt Camilla. 
but she ended up destroying herself in the process. And I think many of us can relate to Diane, relate to that darkness that she's in. But I also see it as a warning. Get out of it. Do not stay there. You cannot stay in that realm because it will only suck you down deeper and deeper and deeper. And that is what stays with me about Mulholland Drive more than anything else. And I don't know if that resonates with other people. Other people think about that. I think much of the film gets talked about in different ways, but I'm more interested in Diane at the end of the film. I have been that broken woman. I have been that shattered woman. I still am her a lot of the time, but I'm also trying to go in a different direction in my life. I want to do that. And Diane is a warning to me, but also a representation of my own suffering at times. The very dark, terrible places inside of us. The darkest places are inside of us. And that is what David Lynch gets at, is that darkness inside of each one of us and the ways that it can come out, the ways that it can take us over and destroy us if we let it. And I refuse to let it. I think I've started to make that choice in my life that I will not let this darkness and this pain destroy me. I will not let that happen. I cannot let that happen. That's what this film means to me. That's what the end of the film means to me. And that's all I wanted to say about it. It's not about decoding it. It's not about anything like that. It's just I'm in a place in my life where I've been through some ruptures. I've been through a lot of agony and anguish and I am trying to pull myself out of it, survive it. Diane has been kind of haunting me lately and I've been thinking about her and how much I've been her and how I want to go in a different direction. But I have so much compassion for her and sympathy. The darkest depths are within us. The, the deepest darkness is within us. And David Lynch knows that and he taps into it and he puts it on the screen for us to see. And I do think that that's part of the emotional power of his cinema at times. It works on a very unconscious level, but it's very powerful. So I appreciate any of you who listened to this. I hope it was insightful. I can only offer my emotions. I can only offer what haunts me about a film. And lately I've been thinking a lot about Diane, what she becomes. We see at the beginning when she's Betty and we see the way a woman can be broken and destroyed, broken by Hollywood, heartbreak, all of it, by the world, by life, and what that does to her by the end of the film when she just obliterates herself and goes back into the void, I guess you could say. She is no more. She has to destroy herself. But I think a lot of different things destroyed her, and she haunts me because of that. I just feel destroyed at times, but I know that I can't choose destruction. I have to choose creation. I have to create or recreate, reconstruct myself. And I will recreate myself and rebuild myself. And the dark parts will be there as well. You know, when we create ourselves again after destruction, we can't leave out the ugly parts. We can't leave out the parts that make us uncomfortable because we're made of all of it. That's what David Lynch also reminds us of. We are made of the light and the dark, the good, the bad, the, you know, the good and the evil. We're made of all of it. All of it is within us and we are capable of all these things. So I don't choose destruction. I choose creation. And that's what I have to do. I hope this was valuable. 
I really appreciate you listening. Bye for now.